1: Continues, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Ken out today, going to be away uh, from us for a couple of days, but uh, hopefully to get him back in here and raring to go. In between, though, lots of great people to talk to. I'll keep you filled in here, Trent Condon. And one of my favorites, got to know Chris Andrews. Oh, boy, this is probably six, seven, eight years ago. Summer shows, looking for something to fill, some content, want to talk college football. And Chris came out with some numbers that were some of the first power numbers that I'd seen and advanced point spreads before you could find them anywhere in Vegas. He was in Reno at the time. He's back in Vegas, and he is sports sportsbook director at the South Point Casino. You can hear him on VSIN, Brett Musburger's network. Him and Gil Alexander every Monday morning do their guests the Lines, which is great, compelling radio or the podcast form. One of my favorites, Chris. Good to talk again. How are you doing, friend? I'm doing great, pal. How are you? I'm doing well. I I really am. And October was an incredible month for me in the gambling world. I knocked it out of my park, my picks here that we do on Friday. I hit 70%. November, though, well, as you'd imagine, it's coming back the other way.
0: (laughs) It it often does. It often does.
1: Well, the good thing is, uh, as Ken, my partner, says, They'll be singing the national anthem somewhere, and that will be tonight in Maccan. So I'll get down on that. But we're not here to talk about Maccan. I love bringing you on Iowa Penn State week. I grew up a Hawkeye fan. You grew up in Pennsylvania, a Penn State fan. This one, we've seen some great battles over. Well, really going back to the seventies when they played the non-conference early in the conference. Kirk Ferentz had Penn State's number for a long time, and now it's flipped back the other direction. Penn State has won six in a row in this series. A lot of games that will come down to the wire. But this one has a lot different feel. Preseason top 10 Penn State against an Iowa team that got off to a slow start themselves and have pulled themselves off the map. Let's start right now. We have a, a sports book here in our state that does advanced numbers before the season of every Iowa game. This thing stayed right around 7, 7.5 really leading up into the season in the first couple of weeks. Dropped last week down to Penn State 3.5. And now it's flipped completely the other way. And I was a three-point favorite at Elite Sportsbook. What do you guys have at the South Point, and any early betting that you're seeing coming in on the Iowa Penn State game?
0: Well, right now we have Iowa a two and a half point favorite. Um, not not much action. Let me look this one up real quick here. Um, uh, we got a little, you know, a lot of the uh, small stuff is on Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, otherwise, and that's not to be unexpected. You know, they love. Uh, you know, Penn State's been just looking worse and worse. I think almost every week. And Iowa, like you said, started out a little bad. I know there were some, you know, tensions on the team, some racial unrest mm-hmm. uh, that probably hurt them early. But uh, looks like parents got the got the ship corrected, and uh, right now they're playing pretty good ball. Uh, now that being said. So We've had actually some business on the game, but two-way business. But like I said, the small stuff is on Iowa, which I completely understand.
1: So we're in a pandemic. We're going through this unprecedented time. And a team like Penn State, tons of talent, Mm -hmm. preseason top 10. You have your power numbers. And I love especially talking to you in the summer when we don't have a great field, but you have your numbers. How much more quickly doesn't matter if you're, well, let's just, for this conversation, let's keep it in college. How quickly and how much more quickly than in the past have you had to adjust your numbers?
0: Well, yeah, a little more quickly this year. But, you know, really, overall, I, I always try to adjust quickly. And I have to be careful. Are you adjusting or are you over-adjusting? Mm-hmm. Which one is it? And, and that's a, you know, a very delicate balance. But this year I did a little more. I mean, a lot of guys opting out. Uh, and and penn states had two they're probably the two best linebackers uh their their best running back got hurt early uh, i think the first quarter of the first game uh and shortly after that their, the the kid that came in to replace them uh had some heart issues and'll never play football again uh so they they did lose some very very key players and i'm looking at my penn state power ratings i thought they had a shot to be uh in the uh, in the hunt for the national championship. And I've lowered them 14 points on my power rating. And I don't think that's an overreaction. I think that's a, a reaction to exactly what I've seen on the field. They have not played well, and the team looks a little dispirited. You know, when you have that huge high expectation, and, I mean, listen, it's taken away from them. I mean, I, I hope they can get it together and make a minor bowl. Uh, but that's about as much as they're going to get out of this season. and That's a, a far cry from what they were looking at uh, when, when we got started here.
1: Let's jump to the other side of the state, just north of us, up in Ames, Iowa State, alone in first place in the Big 12. Big 12 and we're, sure. yes, we're talking about a first-place Iowa State team in football in the middle of November, conversation that I, I guarantee has never been had on the airwaves uh-huh. anywhere, the last conference title that they had was way back in 1912 in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. So you got to go back a long way as the last time they won a conference championship. Iowa State, Kansas State. This one, it's interesting. On paper, watching these two teams throughout the year, I think right now Iowa State's a lot better team. And the point spread reflects that. But there's a lot of scar tissue for Iowa State fans. Kansas State has won 10 of the last 11. They've dominated this series over the last 30 years. And Iowa State has lost some games in inexplicable fashion throughout the years. It just It's that tough team that they, for whatever reason, even if they play, are playing well, they can't get past Kansas State. Historical context, as a bookmaker, does that play into your line at all?
0: For me personally, no. I don't know. I don't know if it does for anybody else, but for me, no. Because I mean, games are played on they're played on the football field, and you're talking about you know a 30 year dominance for Kansas State. Well, you know how old the oldest player on Iowa State? 22. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're not going back there. It doesn't mean anything uh, right now. Now I'm saying that I think this number is actually a little bit high. Uh, my power ratings made Iowa State a nine point favorite. I mean, so you're you're cutting it pretty close to that certainly if i was betting i would not be betting on kansas state just because of a small one and a half two point differential i think the number is a shade high but you know i listen iowa state is good i really i like this team i like the coach i like the personnel uh in kansas state you know they're they're going to be up and down i think a little while as they tr- transition from snyder But, you know, they're going to be around. They're going to be a good team because I think they are well-coached. They need to get some talent on that squad. But right now, uh, you know, they're they're not in Iowa State's league, you know, on paper. But we'll see what happens on the football field.
1: And Kansas State, just one of those programs that always seems to be involved in some goofy games and weird bounces and weird scores. Seems like the Wildcats are always there. You seeing any action one way or the other, Iowa State, -State? K-State?
0: Let me take a quick look here is they uh, let me find this uh, no not too much just yet um, I think they're looking like I said I think the number is probably a pretty decent number maybe a, a shade high but not enough to really bring out any kind of serious action.
1: Talking with Chris Andrews right now he's the sportsbook director at the South Point in Vegas. From that uh, Chris a couple other things I wanted to get into you today and First, the NFL. It's, again, home field advantage. And this goes with college. But what have you done with home field advantage here? Have Have you adjusted? And, and what really was it in the past? Everybody throws out what, three points for home field. We know college football can be much different in the differences between different stadiums. What have you done? And what's the pass number, at least your starting point, for home field advantage?
0: Well, I was like everybody else years ago. I started with 3 just like an automatic 3 point home field advantage. And I started getting into it a little bit uh, more heavily. And I did a research when I had my own company uh and I was putting out a lot of a lot of media stuff, a lot of a lot of facts. And uh it took me a while to do a study on the uh effect of home field in the NFL. And it's almost impossible to do it thoroughly in college because there's just way too many variables mm-hmm. but it seemed like there there was a home field advantage for some teams and for other teams there weren't but that was uh maybe as much as 10 years ago something like that since then it has it has changed and ed feng who if anybody's listening you can call ed feng on twitter he's really a brilliant brilliant guy uh, I got to know Ed personally a little bit in the last year or two, and he did a study coming into this year, and I'm not sure how far he went back, that the home field advantage, as a blanket rule, was worth 1.7 points, so about a point and a half. So obviously within that, you know, Jacksonville never had much of a home field advantage. You know, other teams... Uh, other teams did, I, you know, who had a big home throw advantage for a long time was Cincinnati. Not that they were just so great at home, but they were so much worse on the road. And that's what you always have to look at, the differential. This year, and I quoted it on Beeson the other day, and I saw some work from uh, Jeff Vogel, who's with Beeson. By the way, another really good follow on Twitter. Uh Dave Cooley, again, same thing, yeah. uh Twitter guy and uh, part of Beeson. And Andrew Siciliano, who's with the NFL network. Now, Siciliano, he didn't have a point spread record. The NB the NFL still a little leery about all that. <laughs> but the fact was going into this last weekend, road teams had won more than home teams. And now that got evened up this last weekend, but there was, you know, out of the game, there were a lot of home favorites, big favorites that did hold on. And that kind of skewed it back the other way. Uh, Fogle did a point differential, not just, you know, X amount, home field uh, covered, road team covered. He did a point differential, and it came to, like, you know, a decimal points. And Thule's stuff was, you know, kind of along the same lines against the spread that the road teams are doing much, much better. So I, I really, I, and I've said on my radio spots all year, I'm giving zero for a home field and i think that's held up i think that's really right um there's just not much home field advantage if if any at all now there again there may be some aberrations to that but overall home field is meaningless for this particular season
1: talking with chris andrews right now as we take a look inside the world of sports gambling chris i brought it up to you a little bit earlier just dealing with the pandemic what we're going through now how different is your job how much different has the day-to-day operations been when you go through you're making numbers you're seeing money come in how different is it and in terms of what it's also like inside the sports book in terms of people actually walking in the building how significant has that been for you guys
0: well let me ask you, answer your first question first it, you know every, we've always had to have like our finger on the pulse of everything that's going on. Cause there's just too many things in football and they only play once a week, but, uh, you know, that could be like uh, good and bad because these things can really get exaggerated one way or the other. But the fact is you take a lot more money on football than you do, let's say, you know, NBA or college basketball just have more time for people to bet it. So we've always had to stay vigilant in that regard. But this year we're being even more so just because there's so many moving parts. You have so many COVID issues. And like I said, you know, probably, and, and I saw where somebody even opted out for the rest of the year, just, I think yesterday, I can't remember which team. So there's guys that are opting out, uh, who are looking at a pro career, uh, or they have their own health reasons. You know, I still have a daughter in college and, I'm not crazy about her going to class. Fortunately, she does a lot of her stuff online, but she's in a biology program, so she has to go into labs and Mm -hmm. be with other kids. So I can see where people are worried about that. So we have to keep our finger on the pulse there, uh, more so than in past years. Otherwise, in the casino itself, we've had to spread people out. Now, we've opened two different rooms for viewing uh, because, you know, we do, we want everybody still to come to the South Point, but. We've been extremely safe with everything. And uh, like I told my wife, I said, if the hospitals are as diligent as we are at the South Point, I'd feel a lot better. Uh, so we do, you know, a lot of screening and all that and really spreading people out. We want them to come. We want them to enjoy themselves, have a good experience. But part of that good experience is not getting sick afterwards. So, uh, you know, it's been a challenge, but I think we've uh, kind of faced it. Uh, I think as well as anybody, so uh, I, you know, we're we're doing pretty good in that regard. But we, that's another thing we have to stay vigilant on. And our security walks around, and if you don't have your mask on, they're going to tell you about it, and you better put it on, or we're going to ask you to leave the premises.
1: Yeah, it's the reality of where we are. And well, great news yesterday on potentially another vaccine. Fingers crossed that yeah. you know, that's going to be available, and you know, by the time we get to spring, or a real possibility. Will there be an NCAA tournament as we know it? Well, yesterday the NCAA announced that it looks like all 68 teams, if there are 68 teams, will descend to Indianapolis and they'll be playing it there. Futures, uh, those kind of numbers, Iowa has big buzz for the first time in a long time in college basketball. Is there any teams that will hurt you? I'm sure, as always, you're taking money on the Kentuckys and the Dukes of the world in college basketball. But you got any sharps? Anybody that says, you know what, I'm going to lay a a few shekels down on the Hawkeyes. What are you looking at in the futures market?
0: Well, since I've gotten to know you a little bit, I've I've become a a fan of both Iowa and Iowa (laughs) State. But, you know, Trent, I hate to say we haven't put it up yet. Oh, you haven't? No, and I know other people put it Mm -hmm. up. But I told them I want to get a little bit more of a concrete feel as to what exactly, you know, what, what's the season going to look like? I don't, I don't know right now. You know, I mean, I saw where the Ivy League just canceled all winter sports, including basketball. Who else is going to do that or individual teams going to do that? Um, you know, I know Rick Pitino, who now is an Iona, so not, he's you know, not a Kentucky or Louisville anymore, but still has a pretty big voice. You know, he thinks we should just push the whole season back. He says, what's wrong with May Madness instead of March Madness? And uh, I, I see his point. Um, so I, I need a little more, uh, just some facts before I put up, put it up. Although, I, you know, I'm getting a lot of requests from a lot of guys, so I think I'll probably have it up either later this week or early next week and just have to go with whatever information I have and go from there.
1: Well, Chris, uh, one final thing for you, and – Read your book, really enjoyed some of the stories. Of course, the one about the awful Minnesota Twins in, what, late 70s, (laughs) early 80s, and who was making those bets. Uh, You can make your own determinations on that one. But I was listening to you and Gil yesterday, uh, and you're guessing the lines, as you guys do on VEASAN every Monday morning, and he brought up at the end, you and you brought up working on another book and (laughs) – You were going to do Super Bowl to Super Bowl. You started last year. You're making your notes, and then, of course, now we go through a pandemic. So just tell us a little bit about your second book that you're going to be working on and and just how much has changed in that book from what you thought it was going to be when you started last February.
0: Well, you know, my first book, I think, had a very light tone. It was a very you know enjoyable book with a lot of funny stories, even some of the bad stuff that happened to me you know, once you're looking back 30, 40 years later, it's all—it's kind of funny, you know, nothing that bad really happened, even though I came close a couple times. Uh, and I, I intended this book to kind of be the same way, just get a lot of ups and downs, and people love to follow how, how the public's doing, betting-wise, how bookmakers are doing, so that, that was my plan going in. And then 2020 came, and, uh, <laughs> you know, like I said, the first big curveball was you know kobe bryant died and you know tragically and and right then i started thinking boy this you know obviously that's not a very light tone and you know kobe meant different things to different people We can't take that lightly and then we got to march and around what was it like march 12th i think something like that yep. when it really started coming up that you know we have a crisis on our hands you know the, the, the ncaa tournament got canceled uh some of the conference tournaments. It was the Big East was playing a game and they stopped it at halftime to evacuate the the premises, you know. So things, you know, I don't have to tell you, just things went crazy from there. And then you had racial unrest. And not that I was interested in putting politics into the book at all, but once it bled into the field of sports, you had, you know, NBA, even the NHL, uh, you know, had games that were postponed or canceled, you know, within their bubble. You know, so you had to address that. I, I had to address it, unfortunately. Uh, n- none of that was my intention, of course. Nobody saw any of this coming. But I kept a daily log, and uh, naturally I still had the focus on sports and betting, but you know, a lot of things bled into our little world that we have here. So I think this is going to be a real interesting book, and I still plan on going like through the Super Bowl. I'm hoping that's the first weekend in February, Trent. I hope we're not (laughs) pushing it back any further than that. But I guess I'm nimble uh, on exactly what I'm going to do. So I've I've sent my note. Matter of fact, the first probably up until um, maybe like September 1st, something like that. Mm -hmm. I sent my publisher, my editor, everything that I had so far, and they really like. You know, they think it's going to be a great book, and I think it's one of those deals where you know it's not pleasant certainly a lot of things that happened this year were not pleasant but you know we tried to keep it um you know some amusing stories in between but a lot of serious stuff happened in the in this year and uh you know, the year isn't over yet there's still a lot of unrest in the country not necessarily racially motivated but uh you know so far you know the the, the politics hasn't bled into sports in a while and i hope it stays that way to be honest with you i really do uh, because I want to keep this sports and gambling and bookmaking oriented. I think that's what people really want. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm just hoping for no more disasters the rest of the way. So keeping my fingers crossed.
1: here, here on that one. Well, if you want to get Chris's first book, uh, Get That Sports Gambler In Your Life, think they'll get a kick out of it it's called then one day 40 years of bookmaking in nevada chris andrews from the south point casino chris it's been too long good catching up with you again and hopefully maybe a vaccine in april if that's the case yeah. uh, i'll see you by it certainly may
0: <laughs> i would hope so my friends and <laughs> i always tell you the rooms are on me the gambling the drinking you're on your own uh, the rooms i can take care
1: of chris you always know you get your money back if you let me in there
0: <laughs> thank you
1: chris All right, my friend. Good talking to you. You too, Chris Andrews. South Point Casino Sportsbook Director. You also hear him all the time on VEASAN. Great, great network of of shows talking about sports wagering and how it's done and his uh, Monday episodes with Gail Alexander. Always great getting you ready for the NFL week. We are a ton late before we get to our break, though. Let's try to hand out $1,000 once again. Right now, your chance to win $1,000. Text the keyword BILLS. To 200-200 right now, it's your chance to win a $1,000. That's Bills to 200-200. You'll
2: get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest.
1: From Chris Andrews in the gambling world, we go to the world of sports away from gambling. Zuba is going to join us next. Breaking news happening right now as the Cubs have announced Theo Epstein will step down as president of Baseball Operations November 20th. Jed Hoyer, his number two, will take over that role. Something that's been bandied about for a while. Not a huge shock by any means. Still had a year left on his contract, but is going to be walking away on Friday. An end of an era. He did it in Boston. He did it with the Cubs. Two places that had the long difficult history in baseball and he brought World Series championships to both. We'll talk about that more. Zuba Mahente from ESPN. He's up next. Conant Miller and of continue on a Tuesday. 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.
0: This is KXNO. Oh man that sounds good on FM. 1460 AM and now on 106.3 FM. This is Des Moines Sports Station KXNO. By in 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Manion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment. If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Manion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org.
1: 1133 Miller and Connick continues, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Try Conant solo today, but... We complete the BMW Des Moines guest list with one of our favorites. He is Zubin Mahente. You see him on ESPN Sports Center, though not as often anymore, and of course his morning show on ESPN Radio. Hey, Zubin. With that, have you done any Sports Center since the radio show has began?
2: Not as yet, but I think it's going to happen. We have a studio here in New York where we do the show, where we also tape first take around the horn, our NBA coverage. Our game uh, here with our radio show, and we do have some sports center. Oh, Get Up, also, my Greenberg show is taped here. So mm-hmm. we definitely have the facilities. We definitely have the studios. Haven't gotten the call to tap to the bullpen just yet, uh, <laughs> but I'm ready to go there. And I got to tell you, I mean, your show must have, I mean, it must have the magic touch. Since you came on the air, the Cubs news with Epstein has come down. Greg Marshall has come uh-huh. down you got no lack of things to talk about
1: over your two uh, it, it really has. It's been a, a wild day of breaking news, and I wanted to get into you with Theo Epstein. Zubin, we, we talk baseball with you. We talk everything with you. One of the things uh, in the past, though, when he took over that job and the blueprint that he put together, it looked initially, after the World Championship five years ago, that there was a sustainability to it that this organization had been built in a way with a rock solid foundation of young players coming out and guys that you were going to be able to keep around and keep it going and though they were a playoff team this year there were a whole lot of warts there when you look at this from the outside and you look at the decision who's had a number 2 and Jed Hoyer had they have a very good working relationship you hear continued good things about them was it more of a fact of this isn't going the way that they anticipated? Or do you see it as Theo wants yet one more place, one more chance to go out and do something different? How do you view this in what comes as a surprise to some people?
2: Yeah, I don't think I was too surprised by it, because I think you heard the rumbling mm-hmm. that he was unhappy, things weren't working out the way that they wanted. you got to remember with Madden, I believe he was on the a job for five years. They won the World Series, then they progressively started backsliding just a little bit. And then obviously it ended with that final year with him not making the playoffs. And you kind of looked at it from there and said the way they parted with Joe Madden, you just sort of felt like the next guy that was going to extricate himself from the situation was going to be Theo Epstein. To your point, you know, the release that was put out today, I saw the press release where it sort of just, you know, touted everything that Theo has done. And it talked about, to your point, the tight relationship between Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein Uh, you know, Jed is 46. He's been in baseball 20 years, so he sort of feels like Theo, right? A guy that's in his mid-40s, but has spent so much time in baseball. Uh, You also mentioned that how well they work together. I believe of the 19 years or so that Jed's been in baseball, 19 or 20 years, 17 of them has been spent with Theo. There was a short time where Jed went to go become the general manager of the Padres, uh, for a couple of years. But other than that, they've been together throughout thick and thin. So I think a lot of people that believe that Epstein had the magic touch initially that led them to the 2016 world series. Some of that will remain in the form of Jed Hoyer, but I think no matter how flowery any press release is talking about what's been done and who will be taking over. I do think there was a sense of sort of frustration, a sense of bitterness. Um, And like I said, you just thought the way that the whole Madden situation went down. I thought he deserved to be treated a little bit better than he was on the way out the door but I think you could sense the frustration for Epstein uh, with regards to what he did and how he did it with Madden, um, and I think it was probably just a matter of time before that level of frustration boiled over within himself. That's not to say he didn't do one of the greatest jobs any general manager has had, and, and I don't know what the, uh, what the uh, situation is with Cooperstown, but I'm pretty sure if the first line of the bio says, snaps Boston Red Sox World Series streak, <laughs> snaps Chicago Cubs World Series streak, I think his legacy is surely intact no matter if he's done with baseball or going somewhere else. What he's done just at this point in time is better than most general managers can even fathom doing.
1: You mentioned the other big news of the day, and that's Greg Marshall walking away from Wichita. They separate $7.75 million coming his way for that resignation letter. Works out pretty good for Greg Marshall in terms of his bank account. But the allegations that were there, just some ugly, ugly things, hitting guys, players in practice in the back of the head. We've seen what he's done on the floor. Different kind of guy, no doubt. You can get second chances in this world. But my really question is about Wichita State. We see their ascension to the American Athletic Conference. No football program, but the basketball program that has still played at an incredibly high-level What's next for that? What, how do they fit in the world of college basketball, not knowing who the next coach is going to be after this interim season?
2: Yeah, so Isaac Brown's going to take over on the interim basis. He'll get through the year. But to me, I mean, like Trent, you're a big college basketball fan. This this feels like David Padgett taking over for Rick Pitino, right? Yeah, the guy's yeah. on the staff. But there's really no chance he's probably going to end up being the head coach long term. I, I could be surprised. Maybe this guy does an amazing job, and he gets the head coaching job. However, I think because of their ascension to the AAC, they play in an arena, as you well know, called Coke Arena. It's uh, famously the Coke Brothers. If you're not familiar, one of the richest families in all of America, which is a lot of the reason a lot of people thought that Greg Marshall hung on as long as he did. After the allegations came out with Jeff Goodman, our old colleague now working for stadium, uh, of what happened at Wichita State and going back through his days at Winthrop, where he was highly successful and ended up getting the Wichita job, Final Four in 2013, last undefeated regular season college basketball the very next year. Uh, Those back-to-back accomplishments are amazing. But I think at at a certain point, when you look at it, you just say to yourself, they're going to be able to get a good head coach. Um, The Koch brothers and a lot of the big money backers is probably part of the reason why he was able to survive. Most people, when stories like that come out, Trent, you know, they're gone within, I mean, days. There's just no way anybody can really withstand that. Now, he denied all of it. He used the euphemism of, I'm not for everybody, I'm a tough coach, all that sort of stuff. He never really, um, probably in the court of public opinion, when you're talking about physical violence, making racial epithets towards players, using racial stereotypes against players, I think, sadly, because of the way I've just seen this too much, if he wants to coach again, not that he needs the money, he probably will be able to coach again. Guys have come back from crazy things before. But I think it's important to note that he resigned. So despite all the allegations, which may or may not be true, he gets all the money that is given his way he also can tell his next employer no matter what no matter what the court of public opinion says legally factually speaking he did not admit to any wrongdoing therefore you're not hiring a guy that has been um confirmed of doing any of these things they're just alleged i think most people probably believe after they brought to the independent law firm uh, in october that they were going to find a lot of transgressions and they did But I do think because of the financial backing of the program, especially with the Koch brothers, the Koch family, they'll be able to go get a big-time coach. It's certainly a top-50 job. They've been to the Final Four in the last 10 years. They've accomplished something no other team has in college basketball with that undefeated regular season. So I think they're going to be able to get themselves a good coach. And a sadder commentary is probably if Greg Marshall wants to get back into coaching at some point, he likely will.
1: So speaking of basketball, a wild – 24, 36 hours I guess now with the NBA. You have the draft coming up tomorrow night. You have everything going on. The Bucs are mortgaging their future to try to keep, keep keep Giannis happy over there. And Chris Paul goes to Phoenix and on and on and on. Houston's being blown up and now Harden, he only wants to go to Brooklyn. The NBA, I know it's the player empowerment era, but sometimes, boy, it makes my head hurt. I will tell
2: you this, this morning we said it every single hour on the show and we talked about it quite a bit, and you touched on it there. I had to say it slow because I said to the audience, I want to make sure I'm not misspeaking here (laughs) or you're not hearing me incorrect. Uh James Harden has turned down the NBA's first $50 million a year contract. I mean, that goes to show you, Trent, of everything you just said with the head-spinning nature, and I understand he's got more money than he could possibly want. He just wants a chip now. He's been an MVP. He can score in a variety of different ways. I know you don't think his game is really aesthetically pleasing, but he's one of the best scorers of his generation. But the fact of the matter is that this guy, uh, by turning down a two-year, $103 million extension, he could have made $50 million a year. $50 million a year. And he turned it down for the opportunity that he hopes to have enough leverage to go uh, to the Brooklyn Nets which would obviously reunite him with Kevin Durant and then add Kyrie Irving into the mix. And that would certainly be something. The Bucks need to keep Giannis happy. Drew Holiday, I've always believed is one of the most underrated players in the NBA playing in new Orleans. Isn't going to get you a lot of attention. And then any attention in new Orleans is being swallowed up by Zion. So I don't think a lot of people know that much about Drew Holiday, but that's a great move. Chris Paul is an interesting one too, because you know, he served as a mentor in Oklahoma city and they finished reasonably better, I thought, than anybody thinks they would have finished this season. Phoenix is one of the younger teams in the NBA, so obviously you have a chance now to go be a mentor there with one of the young rosters in the NBA, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. A lot of great opportunity there. Um, but I think the calendar says it all, Trent. You mentioned everything that's just happened. Draft is tomorrow night, LaMelo Ball. Warriors got the number two pick. Anthony Edwards, Wiseman are all out there. There's a kid named Denny Advia who is sort of like the Luca of this draft. I'm not going to put the talent on him, but he's from Israel, and there's a lot of people that think he's the best international player. Once the draft is done tomorrow night, which will be on ESPN at 8 Eastern, free agency starts two days after that. And then the training camp starts December 1, and the season starts on the 22nd of December. So there's only 71 days off between the Lakers winning the championship and the opening day of the season. So they had to really compress everything into 71 days obviously that's just a little over 2 months that's not much of an off season but it's crazy how fast how fast things are developing in the NBA
1: it's just a wild off season obviously coupled with a draft that watching the masters last week i love golf i love major golf but it was still difficult for me to get in, certainly at the level that I would in April. And the same thing here. And even in a draft that is down it doesn't have the same kind of intrigue, yeah, there's a ball involved with Lamelo, and there's a few other names that we know. We, of course, know Halliburton here in Iowa, but it just it feels so odd. How big of an impact do you think that's going to be when you look at what the numbers are going to be coming out of this draft? A down draft coupled with the thing that's going to be taking place in the middle of November. I'm with you. I think the biggest
2: thing that you just mentioned is the first thing. It's a down draft. There's a lot of people that think that this is probably one of the worst drafts in a long time. You're right. I mean, I don't know how much talent LaMelo Ball has. The other thing, too, is obviously with LaMelo not playing in the United States this past year, and obviously there being no NCAA tournament, um, we didn't get to see Wiseman in the tournament. Anthony Edwards of Georgia probably wouldn't have made the NCAA tournament because there is something to be said for watching some of these guys, whether you're an Archie Diacono or just, you know, one of those types of guys that you watch in the tournament, they pop during March Madness, and then you sort of get a springboard to the NBA draft. I just don't think, like a Vincenzo is another great example, right? It's the guy that was pretty good, college basketball fan you know he is, explodes in the NCAA tournament, ends up in Milwaukee. But it's one of those things where I think this year, it's the fact that it's in November, and as we're finding out, unless you're football, your ratings are suffering big time. And so it's up against football the day before a big game between Arizona and Seattle. Uh, plus, you've got not great talent. You've got the ball situation, but that story has decelerated so much because Lavar is out of the spotlight at this particular point. Lamelo sort of separated himself. I don't think he's tied to the hip with his dad the way that Lonzo Ball was. And the fact that the other two big guys really didn't play in the tournament. Obviously, there was no tournament. Even if we could have seen them in the dance. But I think the most intriguing storyline to me, if I had to come up with one, if I was like, producing the draft for ESPN, it's like, All right, how do we get people <laughs> to watch? I think the big issue really is the Warriors have the two pick. And that's intriguing. Because you have Steph coming back off his injury. You have Klay coming back off his injury. Suffered in Game 6 of the 2019 NBA Finals. Think about how long it's been since Clay Thompson has played a game. Obviously, Draymond will probably play better with those two guys back. He had a little bit of an off year. Uh, and then we'll see what happens. Um, with the number two pick so the fact that a team that went 15 and 50 getting the number two pick is no big deal but let's just be honest when this team is healthy it's one of the best teams in the NBA so if there's any level of intrigue it's the fact that like a team like the Warriors who I think are going to bounce back in a huge way just by becoming a healthier ball club are going to be able to draft number two overall to me if I had to kind of pinpoint one thing that's probably the biggest thing with the draft
1: final thing uh just a minute left here Zubin but College football. The national championship slated for Monday, January 11th. Is that when it's played? Do you see see this thing moving back in both the semifinal games and the championship, or do you think it's going to be all systems go? Even with everything going on, the ACC had to shuffle their schedule. January 11th, will we crown a national champion?
2: I think we will uh, only because if they can stick to it, they will. I think they're going to move it in a last case circumstance and obviously with the virus is in control which is the big thing of course um, and I do think if that is the situation they'll move it I know Bob Bolsby, who you guys know really well came out the other day and said it's possible it could be moved back but I think they're going to try everything in their power to try to hold this on January 11th obviously things are up in the air with Wisconsin I mean things could be up in the air with Ohio State um, we don't really know what's happening with a lot of college football at this particular point. we're not really having a real championship Saturday, that kind of hurts as well because then you have that championship Saturday and then you have that December 20th to the playoff with four teams. Everything's a little bit staggered. So at first right now, I would say they're going to try their best to stick to that even though they know they're able to just push back as far as they want. I think they know that in the back of their minds and they're obviously willing to go there if the virus takes them there. But I really do think uh, that they're going to try to get this done on schedule, if at all possible. Last thing I'll leave you with, a fun gambling note, because I know you like to yes. put a few dollars down on everything. <laughs> this is just a fun one. Michigan is playing my alma mater, Rutgers, on uh, Saturday. Right now, believe it or not, I mean, this is amazing. Rutgers is only an eight-point underdog. And you would say to yourself, well, you know, Michigan's one in three. I mean, they look terrible. They don't know what's going on at quarterback. They're kind of going on the road. I mean, eight, who knows? Maybe Rutgers springs a surprise. The only reason I mention it, Trent, they played in 2016, and Michigan won 78 nothing. 78 nothing. Four years later, that 78-point win is down to an 8-point threat. It may mean nothing. It may mean everything. I don't think Rutgers has been very good over the course of those last four years. Yeah. Michigan has ebbed and flowed, but from 78 down to 8. How about that?
1: That's wild. Zubin, as always, appreciate your time. We'll do it again soon, all right?
2: Thanks,
1: Brian. Take care. That's Zubah Mahette. You can hear him ESPN Radio at the morning show and hopefully a Sports Center right around the corner. Final timeout. We'll come back right now. Go to our Facebook page. I'm going to shoot a shot. Help out Patrick Roop here. Try to win him a nice prize. The Berkwood Bullseye winner happening right now. KXNO's Facebook page. Final thoughts and a action pick when we come back. Miller and Connick can take. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> on it back with you one final time. Before we get out of here, let's uh, let's try to get you a winner. Maction tonight. Yeah, there's Maction on the do- Off the board. That thing has been taken down because COVID. Yeah, the pandemic got Ohio in that one. So Bill Bender, his alma mater, will not be playing tonight. That Bowling Green number is huge. They are awful. They are just terrible. But I don't feel like I can lay... Thirty-one with Buffalo, so it comes down to another terrible team. Akron at Kent State. Give me the zips. Give me the twenty-six. Don't go to your bookie. Don't go to your app right now and fire a ton at this one. This is a shot in the dark. I Haven't cab much. I'm taking the zips. The ruse. Here's your action pick. We got Murphy and Day to come your way at two o'clock.